all know that our Rip from the Headlines episode is one of my favorite episodes to record, mostly because I can't believe the audacity of some individuals and organizations. Yeah, we share stories of grant fraud so you can learn from the mistakes of others. The lesson is always, be ye not so stupid. Grant fraud stories, unfortunately, can give a bad name to the good that most grants create in communities. And let's face it, even the people committing such egregious acts know they can't use grant money to go on a personal spending spree. But grant fraud and other ethical quandaries are not always so black and white. That's why the Grant Professionals Association created a code of ethics. This code is what the grant professional certified individuals and GPA members follow. The team at D.H. Leonard Consulting is proud to all be members of GPA and to also have numerous GPCs on their writing staff. If you have questions about how the Code of Ethics impacts their work or how it can impact your work, reach out to them at dhleonardconsulting.com. Hello there, I'm Kimberly Hayes Day Muga. And I'm Amanda Day. And you're listening to Season 4 of the Fundraising Heyday Podcast. We're doing more in Season 4 to help nonprofits, local governments, and the consultants who serve them raise more money and get more grants by sharing real-world experiences and interviews with experts and getting it done. You may hear a y'all or two along the way mm-hmm. and singing. Mm-hmm. I haven't sung it much this season. We need to bring back some more singing. Oh, the season is young, my friend. <laughs> and, of course, strange sound effects. That's right, and there's more of us to love in Season 4 because we've got episodes dropping every other Thursday all year long. So let's get into it. This podcast is brought to you by Season 4 sponsor D.H. Leonard Consulting and Grant Writing Services. Don't let grants stress you out. Their team can help you with grant readiness and training, grant research, grant writing, mock review, as well as providing numerous DIY resources, guides, and templates. Did you know that with every Fundraising Heyday episode, we create a coordinating blog post on their website, dhleonardconsulting.com? Check it out today. Okay, I know I always say let's get into it, but I've got a little thing before we get into it, and it's this. This episode you're listening to actually is going to be released on April Fool's Day, and um, I know a lot of people are real excited about this day. I'm really not, and we don't need to go into why, (laughs) but let's be clear that this episode is not an April Fool's prank. Honest to goodness, that is not what we're doing. Yeah, not not no April Fool's jokes happening here. Instead, today we're dropping one of my most favorite annual episodes. It's the Ripped Headlines. <laughs> like Velcro. <laughs> I like it. Um, and boy, do we have some doozies to share with you today. Um, but we promise everything we're sharing is straight from reliable news sources. Um, they may sound so over the top. You're going to think it's an April Fool's joke, but sadly, they're not. This is actually going to be a new hashtag that we should probably use, and it's hashtag sad but true, because that's what we're talking about today, yes. sad things that are true. This is our annual Ripped from the Headlines episode for Fundraising Heyday, and although we do have I will say there, I do take enjoyment out of this. I'm not going to lie, but it's actually an opportunity (laughs) to learn and to point out that there actually are people who do things they're not supposed to be doing with grant funding. You know what? It makes it harder for us 
all. It's like, that's why we can't have nice things. So again, as y'all all know by now, and then just tell a friend, when you apply for a grant, you're applying for a very specific thing 98% of that of the time. The other 2% would be general operating funding, which does exist, but is much rarer in the grants world. And certainly, I would say almost non-existent in public funding, such as federal grants. Mm-hmm. But whatever grant you write, when you sign the grant agreement, you or your organization, it's a promise. It's a form of a contract that you are going to do the things that you set forth in the proposal and in that grant agreement. And as you'll hear today, there are consequences when you don't do the work as promised. That's very true. And you'll see, yes, most of these stories are over the top. (laughs) They really are. Um, When I teach grant management workshops, I always like to give the disclaimer, especially when there's new people learning about grants, right? I don't want anybody to take a grant writing class to a management class to listen to an episode like this and think, oh my gosh, if I am one day late on a report, if I'm, if I lose 10 cents and can't figure out where it went, I'm going to jail. Okay. That's we're human. Things happen. Mistakes happen. There are certainly, we try not to make those mistakes as grant managers, but that's not what we're talking about here. As you'll see from these stories, the things that end up in the newspapers end up on podcasts like this are things that people are stealing money. They're, you know, they're using things for their own personal gain. Okay. And again, the trick is when mistakes are happening, when we make those little mistakes, we fess up right immediately and say, oh my gosh, I realized I did this. What do we need to do to fix it? Mm -hmm. Stories we're telling about, they did something and got away with it. So then they kept doing it, right? Or did they get away with it? Well, let's find out. So I am going to get us started with the auto Otto Brimmer Trust, and it's a little different than our usual stories because it's about a grant funder. And you, you know I never have any opinions about grant funders or applications whatsoever. <laughs> I am even keeled sailing down a stream, but no, we're following a grant funder that wasn't following their own rules. Dun, dun, dun! Okay, y'all, that was the horror music, and I hope you're horrified. Um, so this story was something that Amanda found in the Nonprofit Quarterly's website, Nonprofit Quarterly. Uh, there are different publications that they come out with, but it's a good source for news. It's not, um, it's not uh, some fly-by-night kind of thing. The name, I love this, the headline of the article was, The Otter Brimmer Trust Faces the Music and It is Loud. <laughs> That's a great article. Oh, title. God. Written and it was uh, published, um, is written by Rob Mex, Mel, Mike, Mike, Mike Skins. I'm sorry, Rob. M-E-I-K-S-I-N-S I should have looked it up. K-S-I-N-S is how yeah, sorry, Rob. I did you wrong. Um, and so it was published on August the 20th, 2020. So here we go. Here's the deal. Let's get into it. So there were three, the three trustees of the foundation were up to the following. They increased their salaries by approximately 300% over the course of just a few years. And I'd like to point out, it's not like they were making $7.25. That is minimum wage, federal. It's not like they bumped themselves up to $21 so they could like work at Target. That is not what we're saying here. And nothing against people who work at Target. I'm just saying. They were, and then they built fancy new offices and, and then worried after their offices. I can only imagine. I can only imagine, but I've been in a foundation office that had 
the a big huge round table that was like supposed to be a copy of the knights of the round table table uh-uh. it was bad but anyway <laughs> moving on moving on so they might have had something super elaborate and fancy but then they were worried that it would be embarrassing to meet there with area representatives including senator amy klobuchar and i thought hmm that's your first clue. If you yourself are like, mm, maybe we shouldn't have done that, then maybe you shouldn't have. But moving on, yeah. one of the trustees um, even expressed concerns that the display of wealth would be off-putting and would cause them, whoever they are, people like us, I guess, to investigate or inquire more seriously about how we are spending our money. You think? <laughs> and the reason uh, Senator Klobuchar has brought up this, the Elder Rumor Trust is up in. It's, uh, yeah, it's in her. It's in a, an area in that she area. represents. In Minnesota, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, not, it's not yeah. random. It was surreal. Yeah. Um, and so at least one of these three brilliant trustees ran their for-profit businesses from these offices. While I am not a tax attorney, I am not um, an official of the IRS. I think you have to be careful when you mix for-profit and non-profit. So anyway, just a red, another on the series of red flags. This is just turning into like, like the reddest red flags ever and the biggest. <laughs> so then they proceed to give grants to organizations outside of their geographic focus area, which is listed on their website. I know because I went there and to projects that didn't meet their guidelines as published on their website and as appear in their 990s. Cause maybe I looked at those too. Cause I was just getting sort of salty as the children say by this point, um, then went on to award a half million dollar grant to advance the political career of a friend of one of the trustees. Now, again, not an expert in, in taxes and, um, and estates and those kinds of things. But I do know that straight up foundations are set up to give to 501c3 organizations and PACs or political action committees are a different type of 501 organization. So that's also questionable. And that was a lot of money. And yeah, I'm just, I don't like it. So again, this, and this foundation, I just got to point out had 22 employees. So you know, there was a lot going on here, but yeah. even the employees, I guess they got, I guess they felt bad about like the, the diet Dr. Pepper fountain that was in the break room and the, you know, <laughs> the omelet, the omelet station that was there on Fridays and taco Tuesdays or whatever the heck they did with their money. But the staff of the trust began to question $3.8 million awarded to the, to nine charities that seemed to have been awarded to the charities because the trustee either served on the board of the charity or family members were affiliated with the charities. So, so yeah, that's kind of a lot. That's kind of a lot. The history of how this foundation was formed is interesting to me. It may not be as fascinating to you, but I would just say to condense this, it was formed as a, a trust and consolidation of, a, of, of like a rural network of banks. And so the trust transformed, um, transferred rather ownership to the company, but then the trust ended up with 92% ownership of all those banks in that network that is now consolidated and called Bremer Bank. Uh, it's the only bank that we could 
find that is actually owned by a nonprofit. It's very, what I'm trying to say is it's an unusual structure. Mm-hmm. Um, Which gives those trustees a lot of power because they basically have 90% trolling interest in these banks, which are like billion dollars. I mean, the banks are worth like, what, a billion? No, that's the trust has a billion dollars. The trust has 1.1 billion with a B in assets mm-hmm. and contributions. Uh, the contributions were totaling around 45 million. So not a small thing here, lots of things going on. And now the trustees, at, or at that time in August, it was reported that the trustees were like, hey, we're going to sell off the banks because it'll increase the trust assets. I guess next they were eyeing maybe some therapy ponies, um, one of those Shiatsu office chairs. Well, um, clearly it was time for another race, too. Yes, <laughs> yes. Why stop at 300%? I mean, I, that really does chap me. It's like if you work for a nonprofit in a good year, in a good year, it's like maybe 5% across the board. Uh-huh. Do you know what Local I mean? That's, yeah, it's just a 300%. Nobody, no. Anyway, there's more. So um, the Minnesota Attorney General Keith Ellison is asking the courts to remove the trustees for serious breaches, not britches, y'all, not pants, serious breaches of fiduciary duty, which as well he should because yeah. I, I call shenanigans on all of them. But th- there's a follow-up. So Amanda, it's like, hey, what's happened since then? Let's catch it up. Um, let's see. The Twin Cities Pioneer Press in November 2020, um, and the headline, not as good, but the headline is Judge Orders Three Trustees of Otter Brimmer Trust Back to School, but does not remove them. Okay, that's almost as good as the <laughs> – they hear the music and it is loud. But anyway, anyway, so if um, this is if this is something you'd like to look up and find out about. So – but here's also where I'm going to make the arrows and recording go up and down. They're going to stay up because I'm just going to like bitch about this. So here are folks that have clearly, at the very least, at the very least, very least, haven't followed their own rules. Now, you could argue, well, they're the trustees. They can change the rules. You know, but it's not like it's their money. That foundation was probably set up with legal documents, pr- perhaps stemming from um, the the transfer of the trust from the banks, and then also maybe um, a, a, the estate of Otto Brimmer. Anyway, there was there was all sorts of paperwork, just a, just a flurry oh, yeah. of paperwork all around this, and you can't just go in and go, yeah, we're not going to do that anymore. Or you can try, which they did, but someone's gonna someone's gonna um, call you on it. So I was all ready for it, and they went to jail. La, 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 la. No, that is not what happened. Or at the very least, they got kicked off the, like, we, they put new people in place, right? How about right? a fine? How about a yes. fine? How about a, they have to give, they have to give $5,000 to every charity um, and within a 50-mile radius? I don't know. Anything, anything, something. No, no, no. The judge ordered them to take classes on how to act as fiduciaries. I, I'm not saying they knew how to anyway, but I'm like, ooh, wow, what a, ooh, that just that's a burn. Wow, what a tough, tough punishment. And the three trustees, I would also like to point out that three's kind of a small number. It really is. Uh, for of trustees that would function as sort of the board of directors for this big ass foundation. That's what I'm saying. So the three trustees must also contract with an HR professional for advice on office management. I just, <laughs> I just, I'm like, 
Uh, yeah, well, no, I'm just moving on. And their their big pay raises were rolled back to 2017. So now they're probably all just making 400 grand each or something like that. You know, it's, it's, you know, but I, that nothing was said about what I'm imagining was the super luxurious offices. Who knows? Maybe they're still an omelet station. We don't know. They're not allowed to sell stock in, in the um, Brimmer Financial Corporation or the Brimmer Bank without court approval. Okay, good. Yeah, good, yes. good. The judge also prohibits them from using the trust office equipment or staff for their own businesses. Needed to happen. But um, there's still a little fight going on um, as the Brimmer Bank's board filed legal suit against the trust. So bank owned by the trust. The bank is like, trust, y'all can't see my hands, but I'm making little fists to kind of illustrate the story. It's not helpful. But it's a complicated (laughs) legal setup. But the bank network is suing the trust saying, y'all ain't right. I believe that's the technical legal term for that. I think it absolutely is. So and I would blame them. No, because, my I mean, God. You look at, like, that's like a, that's not even a slap on the wrist. I'm like, nope. Kimberly, you and I sit on the board of the Grant Professionals Association. We have not done anything wrong as far like we do certainly our Certainly not intentionally. <laughs> no, not certainly intentionally. not. And we get fiduciary training every year, as we should, to make sure that we are putting the care of this organization above our own personal interests as a board member, right? I would like to respectfully point out that we do not take salaries because it's an association. We do not take salaries. And if we did, we would not be voting ourselves in those salaries because there's checks and balances. And this is a a national association, international association of grant professionals. I'm sorry. These, I'm going to say they were probably men. So call me out at me for being sexist, but chances are, chances are they, they were, these men, um, I think they kind of knew that what they were doing was wrong because the first article, they were like, Oh, maybe we've gone too far. I'm like, yeah, think it's, mm-hmm. um, I mean, I'm just not buying it. There was some justice there. I I'm proud of the employees of the foundation that spoke out, yep. but it just, it, it incenses me. And I think that they need to not be sitting on that money like Scrooge McDamn duck. And they need to get that money out. We're still in the middle of a pandemic. The world's on fire. Children are going to bed hungry and you are deciding what tapestry to hang in your office. I am just not feeling any of this. I just am not feeling it at all. Yep. So yeah, we, we found one that was kind of from the other side. Most of our stories are coming from the point of we receive funds and are spending it wrongly, but here's one where the foundation's not doing what they should And be you doing. know, if someone was late on their report or had, did something wrong or didn't have the form, they'd be like, no money for you, peasant, you know, and here they are going, oh, you have done it wrong. Hey, let's give money to our buddies and uh, who are running for office. I just can't even, I can't even. I know hush about it but i'm going to try because we've got more stuff more stuff to share oh yeah next up we're going to move from the north and head a little south That's all um right. we're going to talk about a tennessee senator who was charged with grant fraud oh nice yes oh i remember uh, and i remember this too yeah oh yes yep. um I, you emailed this to me because you were like i, I did heard. i was like ripped from the headlines here we go <sighs> So um, the Associated Press wrote an article entitled Tennessee State Senator Charged with Stealing Federal Funds. Mm. 
to the point. Um, this article was written by Adrian Sands on July 29th, 2020. Um, so not quite a year ago just yet. Um, so it's a Tennessee state senator. Her name is Katrina Robinson, and she was charged with theft and embezzlement, um, specifically with stealing $600,000 that was awarded to a healthcare company she ran. Okay, now, I want to just stop right there for a second. That's your first clue. Maybe if you're a state senator, maybe, I don't know. I don't know what the rules are in Tennessee, but it's like, Hmm. So you're going to, you're, you're, you're a state Senator and you're accepting federal money as a contract for it's already hinky. Okay. Yes. It's just already. So please continue. Mm-hmm. The hinky and factor again, is rising. It's rising. Yes. And again, I will point out that right now these are just charges like that. Just charges. She hasn't had her day in court. And of course her lawyer has basically said none of this is true. Innocent until proven guilty. That's how our court system works. Thank goodness. <laughs> anyway. Um, so here's how it happened. She is the director of the Healthcare Institute. Um, it's an organization that provides training for jobs in the healthcare field. Okay. So not, not bad. Um, this Memphis-based school received more than $2.2 million in federal grants from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Um, nice grant. Yes. Um, you can do lots of training with that. Um, yeah. So... She was using that money to pay for her wedding, her honeymoon, I'm snorting, I'm sorry. and then her divorce. It <laughs> so, was the triptych. It was the trifecta. It was the hat trick yes. of embezzlement and fraud. And also, <laughs> gosh, mm-hmm. speaking as someone who used to uh, used to be overseeing rentals for a wedding venue, don't ask. It was a part of my development director work. But I had a great team, but I was always the one. I was like, if someone said, I need to speak to your manager, I was a manager. Yeah, there's a lot of that going on. I think people put a lot more into planning their weddings sometimes and planning their lives. Um, But they don't often steal money from HHS in order to finance their um, triumphs and mistakes. So there we go. What I want to know is, did she hold a little back in case it happened? (laughs) (laughs) Well, still this much money to hear. I got wedding. I got honeymoon. And just in case, there's my divorce lawyer money. (laughs) Uh, And again, these are charges. These are charges. Innocent until guilty. But boy, is this juicy. Let's keep it. In addition, she spent money on a lot of personal expenses. Um, Some examples, she bought a 2016 Jeep Renegade for her daughter. I can only hope that that was in 2016 when she bought it because I'm like, really? (laughs) But that's not the Um, point. The point is not to get the steal money to get the best car you can. I'm just questioning that choice. Yes. Um, She's paid for travel and entertainment for her family. Um, She had an event for her own state senate Uh... campaign. Yeah, you can't use federal dollars to run for office. I'm just no, going to that make that, that a rule that's right a now. That's a biggie. That's a biggie. Uh-huh. And I'm pretty sure that none of those other expenses, I'm pretty sure she didn't have a line item for personal civ- civil arrangements um, <laughs> in the $2.2 million that HHS approved. <laughs> yeah. Um, she did a few home improvements. I don't know what they were. but uh, um, This may be my favorite one, though. She paid for a snow cone business operated by her children. <laughs> oh, God. I just, I think I'm, I'm pretty gonna... sure the money was going to healthcare training, not snow cone operation training. <laughs> I mean, maybe you can make the argument if 100% pure fruit juice was used, that's healthy. But uh, yet, that yes. wasn't the purpose of the grant. The purpose <laughs> of the grant was for healthcare training. Yes. Unless they were like putting, learning how to put medication, hide medication so that kids take it better. 
I got nothing. That's that's yes. that's, that's, that's stretch for now. That's the best my diabolical mind can come up with today, and that's not very good. <laughs> oh, yep. And to top it all off, the in an FBI affidavit, they allege that the federal funds were deposited into the school's bank accounts for its operations. Um, I don't know that we've talked about this on any of our episodes before, but there's this big rule about not commingling funds when it comes to federal dollars, really any of your grants, but especially federal dollars, right? Well, that means when you get an award from a federal funder, funder, you have to put that money in its own account, okay? And I don't mean separate bank accounts. Exactly. I just mean within your financial software system, you need to have separate accounts, and there needs to be one. So she got this award from HHS. There should have been an account specifically for that award. And it may not be called an account in your system. It might be called an activity or an appeal or a code, whatever it is, so that you can put expenses toward code XYZ2, you know, and that would be your HHS grant. And so the invoices match up with the money in there, and that's how the money, that's how it moves, and that's how you prove it. It's basically a way to keep it separate, right? Yeah, yeah, to yeah. make sure. Cause yeah, yeah, so yeah. they she's putting it just in her general operations. And then as straight from the article, it says the funds were then commingled indiscriminately with personal expenditures for the benefit of Robinson and her immediate family. That was stated by FBI special agent Matthew Pruitt. So I think if I was an FBI agent, this is the kind of crimes I'd want to investigate. Wouldn't that be so cool? Maybe that's my next job. I'd be like, FBI, I know a lot about grants. <laughs> I wow. can't pass your fitness test, and I'm not carrying a gun. But <laughs> but other than that, count me I don't in. know. See, I'm just, I remember watching Silence of the Lambs, and I just don't think I have it in me to be a Clarice Starling, although I admire those who are. Oh, let me tell you, you know, I may have told y'all before, my, my dad was in the military and comes from a long line of military men, and he knew that was not going to be the role I was going to play, as in poor guy had two daughters, no sons. Well, not poor guy. He loves us. He's fabulous. I was going to stay a no, oh, no. And in fact, he, well, I just, from the family legacy, because he even told my sister and I, there's other things, like being in the military is hard anyway, but especially for a female, he knows it's just tough, because they don't aren't given the same... Anyway, that's another topic for another day. But when I decided to study psychology, he was like, you could be like Clarice. You could do that job. And I was like, no, no, not happening. Sorry. Um, So um, what tipped the FBI off to all of this, though, is that they received a complaint from someone who claimed that Robinson was using the school's funds to buy a Louis Vuitton handbag, handbag for $550. So... The purse is what started it all off. Purse first, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, she also spent thousands on credit card payments, hair and beauty supplies, improvements to her body aesthetic business in her house. Um, oh, so we did know one of the uh, house improvements. She bought a wrought iron front door that was valued at $5,000. According to the FBI. Yes. Uh, more than $4,700 on makeup. So lots of other things going on. Yep. Lots of things. Um, also, this seems to be a theme, paying yourself a really good salary if you're going to be stealing, right? Um, over a four-year period, she paid herself $169,134 more than she was allowed to under the salary amounts allowed by the grant. That's what the affidavit is, is claiming. Yeah. So, yep. So, um, 
a federal grand jury is going to be in, um, brought forth to decide whether or not to formally indict her. Okay. Um, so if she's convicted, um, Robinson faces a possible sentence of up to 20 years in federal prison in each case. Mm. Now, do I expect her to get like a hundred years in prisons for all this? Mm-mm. Probably not. Yeah. Um, also, just as a side note, she's up for re-election in 2020. 2022. 2022. Yes. Thank you. We're going back in time. <laughs> just kidding. Um, then, because again, this came out several months ago as I was putting together the script, I thought, you know, let me just check and see if anything news happened. Yeah, as if that wasn't enough, um, as of January 19th, 2021, there was another Associated Press article entitled Tennessee State Senator Charged Again in Federal Court. She had new fraud charges <sighs> filed against her. Um, prosecutors are claiming that Brooke. Boudreaux, an associate of Senator Robinson, she convinced someone to pay $14,470 in tuition to this healthcare school that Robinson runs in Memphis. I'm just excited she's doing something related to the school now. I'm just excited, even though it's wrong. That's good. (laughs) So it's like she said, hey, I want to go to this school. Will you pay my salary to go to school and some person was like out of the generosity of the heart i guess said yes um yeah boudreau did not go to the school um robinson boudreau and a third person split the money among themselves is what prosecutors are saying um boudreau was never a student of the school yeah so stay tuned for more about that (laughs) oh lord there's a lot a lot going on here there's a lot going on and i guess too this is kind of like the 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 worst case scenarios, usually mm-hmm. um, I am very fortunate in my career that I have never worked for a place that I knew of that was committing this level of fraud. And I think I would have known it if I was over grant management. Yeah. A lot of times what you'll see more is people either not understanding or taking the money that is for a restricted purpose and then uh, paying payroll for a couple of months because they were running short. Uh-huh. These are the egregious examples, but sort of lower level. Um, and it's still grant, it's still fraud. I mean, it's still, you're not using the money for which you said it was going to be used. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, so the rip from the headlines is just always like the super big, crazy examples. Um, but as a grant professional, as a fundraiser, your chances are you're going to see lower level activity and sometimes it's a matter of education sometimes oh, it's a matter okay. of no you can't use that money to 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 uh for payroll because it's supposed to be used to buy a passenger van to pick up kids from school it's just stuff like mm-hmm. that oh, but yeah. it's still wrong it can still get you in trouble but that's not the same thing as what amanda was talking about earlier you can ha- you can have um program enrollment or program outcome that wasn't quite what you predicted in your objectives it's okay to report that. And if you don't report that and do something about it, it's not fraud, but it can um, it can decrease the chances that you might get funded if you're not straight up with your funder. Unless it was the Otto Bremer Trust, in which case, you know, margaritas for everyone, I guess. But um, yeah. if you, you just have to sort of that clear communication is key and also that clear communication within your organization about things that could go wrong, things some people may not even realize are wrong. Mm-hmm. Well, and the thing that bothers me about this story we just talked about, well, there's a lot of things that bother me, but <laughs> a lot. The, the fact that she is a public official, 
Right. Oh, Amanda. You, like, Amanda, I, you are, I know, so, I know. You are really, Amanda, like, shocked. I know. <laughs> Politicians do bad I'm not shit. shocked by it, but I'm just, <laughs> it still never ceases to annoy the stew out of me. Okay, I buy you. That, I take the annoyance. I take that. Your- you know, your, your job is supposed to be representing the people. Your job is supposed to be leading the way, teaching what is, that is why you're elected mm-hmm. to do the right thing. And, oh, it just burns my hide that. Also, I, I want to even ta- I want to take it back a step further because I'm always kidding Amanda because she's you know we're yin and yang we're just real different, um, but also the losers in all of this for all the f- the 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 glee at like ooh she got caught by the five thousand dollar door, really what chaps me is that there were probably hundreds of people in the Memphis area, which is not an economic powerhouse, although they no. were experiencing a resurgence before the pandemic. I don't know where they are now. But there were probably hundreds of people who wanted to ha- get into some healthcare careers that are higher paying, that are yes. stable. Your work won't get outsourced. There are benefits. There, there are all these things. There's a demand for it. And and the and these same people paid their taxes into the federal government and c- could not benefit from this program because someone decided that her wedding really needed you know a, a cappuccino machine. I don't even know. I don't even know. But I mean, those are the the real losers are the people who were denied that education and taxpayers. I'm just saying. I'm just You're saying. Absolutely right. So um, next up, there is some grant fraud. Big surprise. That's actually um, it's 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 a more of a resolved case, and so it goes back a few years because, as you know, our judicial system does not run at the speed of light. It does not run at the speed of sound. It does not run at the speed of ordinary business hours. It is a glacial pace, although that's probably wrong because the glaciers are melting real fast now. It just moves slow. It moves real slow. So anyway, so this is um, back from um, the Chicago Tribune, um, published this article March 30, 2016. Chicago businessman pleads guilty in state fraud grant scheme. The writer and reporter here was Dua Eldeeb, E-L-D-E-I-B. And um, oddly enough, the Chicago businessman was named George Smith. You know, I mean, it's a pretty, I know I was like, George. John Doe, no, George Smith. <laughs> so George E. Smith, he, he pled guilty to money laundering and mail fraud. So here we go. He had a nonprofit called Diversified Behavioral Comprehensive Care, and it was purportedly there to offer social services and mental health services to children and their families. Okay? Needed. Yes, service. very needed. Well, here's a big old fat P.S. He also ran three for-profit companies, and one had a very similar name to his nonprofit. And I just have to stop us there. I'm always astounded at grant fraud or you see these business people and they have all these shenanigans and they've got had affairs and they're doing all this stuff. When do people have time to get up to all of this? I'm not trying to be, I know it happens, but I'm like, damn, y'all, how should, I'm like, I got to pick up the dry cleaning and write and, and work on my podcast and I've got four grants and I've got to do that. Oh, dinner. I don't, I don't know. I feel I like know. I'm missing. I don't understand the life of crime. I, I mean, how do y'all have time to get up to all this makes me tired. How can you run four businesses at the same time, full time? I understand the side hustle concept. That's how many consultants get started. But yeah, just on a logic thing, I, I'm sorry. Just, yeah, 
just just email us at fundraisingheyday at gmail.com and, and help me understand it because I'm here to learn and to get it right, but I just don't get it. So George was a busy dude. So um, over the course of decades, he had multiple contracts worth millions of dollars with many different Illinois government agencies. So some of these were the Department of Children and Family Services, commonly known as DFACS, um, the Illinois State Board of Education, and the Department of Human Services, plus Chicago State University. So so he's busy, busy guy. Yeah. Um, here's the thing. Smith and his company were accused of double and triple billing different agencies for the same service, forging records, and keeping ghost positions and expenses. Now, that sounds scary, but not in the, in the ghost <laughs> way. It's just that... Fake. Fake, just faking all these charges and faking all and faking employees and double and triple billing. Again, it's kind of exhausting to think about how did you have the time to do all that? But I guess if you're double and triple billing, you can um, pay people to cook your meals and run your house for you while you're leading a life of crime. Do you think that's what crime lords do? I, I doubt they are scrubbing their own toilets. Fair, to be fair, to be fair. So here's some examples. Um, Smith submitted the same invoice for reimbursement to three state agencies. See, that's how, that's, see, he's really only run, running one business. He's I, got I different names. It's true. But th- this is how it's working, yeah. Oh, this next one just breaks oh, Same. So his company, he gave defects wards, and that's the technical term. These are kids who have been taken out of home situations in which they were deemed to be in danger, okay? These are vulnerable kids and very, very dicey situations, Families struggling, families in trouble. His company, according to these findings, his company gave these children psychotropic drugs without proper consent and without ensuring the proper dosage. And I I am not minimizing this situation, but it made me think of that Netflix series, Queen's Gambit, because that's how it starts. Mm -hmm. She was... um, in an orphan, well, this was, you know, back in the 50s when this first, the story got started there, but in the 50s, and they would give children psychotropic drugs to keep them quiet. Yeah. Okay. First of all, fictional TV show based on a novel. Second of all, 1950s. This was in this, in this century, this century. I just, I just feel for these kids and and what they went through. He billed, Smith billed $130,500 for rental costs when the rent was actually less than one third of that. I see he comes from the Otto Bremer Trust School of (laughs) Management and um, good. Yeah, that's, that's bad. And in a joint report, the state alleged Smith mismanaged or misused portions of $18 million in state grants he received. It could have been more, but they could only go back to 2008 to review contracts. But his contracts dated back to 1986. He was accused of spending more than $8 million in taxpayer money on things like travel, concert tickets, and sporting events. And as a part of his of his, of his plea, so he pled guilty, right, he had to pay up to $550,000 in restitution to the state. And I'm like, I'm not for Old Testament justice and eye for an eye. Eight million, half a million. Like, eight million, 550,000, but whatever. And he was sentenced to two years in prison. So again, 
I'm glad that this came up. I don't think the article included any ideas or, or not ideas, any facts around how this was caught after so many years. Also, y'all, I'm just going to have to go there. If they've been going on for that long with that many state agencies, I'm thinking somebody in some office building somewhere was getting a little sweet something called extra money. But that is simply my opinion and not based in any facts and not liable in a court of law. So, it, was, it was happening in Chicago. So we'll just leave it at that. Right. I, 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 yeah. Maybe that's all we need to say. But again, you know, it's like, it's bad enough. It's, it's bad enough. All this mismanagement, all this corruption, right. For decades, for decades. I mean, like almost as long as Amanda's been around, right. <laughs> Close. You don't have to give your age, but I mean, 1996. Yeah. No, well, you were. I, I was. I was eight in nineteen eighty-six. Yeah, see, that's you know, <laughs> that's a while in terms a of time. perpetrating uh, fraud. But again, I just coming back. There were kids that got God only knows done to them, and in, in all of this, there were services that didn't get delivered, and everywhere there were families and you know for programs for which they were entitled. Mm-hmm. So I just, I'm happy that it was rooted out. I'm sad that it took so long. And I'm really sad for the children and families that suffered needlessly so that this dude could spend uh, taxpayer money on travel and concert tickets and sporting events. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Well, at least he did get a little time behind bars. That doesn't yeah. always happen. I think this also speaks to if you see something going on, Say, say something. something. When I was traveling around um, teaching grant management and grant writing, invariably, especially during grant management classes, there would and I would invite I would invite this. I'm like, you know, you might want to if there's a situation at work and you're not comfortable calling it out. Say a friend, a friend works. I'm using air quotes. A friend works at this uh, agency, and this is what's happening. Every single time people would come up to me on breaks or after class at the end of the day when everyone had gone. And they would tell me stuff and they oh, would yeah. tell me stuff um, that what was that was what was going on. And it wasn't big, huge things like you see here, but it was like systemic, endemic corruption. And maybe they were new to their jobs or new to that area. And they were learning about this and they were like, how am I going to speak out and bring this up? What will happen is, you know, is there a whistleblower policy that will protect me? And will it really protect me? Mm-hmm. And those are serious considerations um, and serious things to think about. I remember one instance, and I, I don't even want to tell you what part of the country it was, but what she told me was was so, I was like, you know what? I just don't even know if that's fixable. And if you've only been there for six months, I don't know what the job market is in your area, but you might need to leave because if you are being put in charge of this now, you're going to be called out for things that happened years before you even got there. And that just oh, made yeah. something you want to do, you know? And, um, I just, it was, it was just, it was heartbreaking, but it happens. It happens a lot is what I'm going to say. It oh, I've asked, I've asked people before. I'm like, can you quit? Can you, yeah. can yeah. you afford to quit? Yeah. Cause if you can that, honestly, that's my best advice. Now, if you can't criminal, if like there's criminal, yes. form, like, like a George Smith degree going uh-huh. on, um, where it's federal funds and there's jail time. The Otto Brimo thing was kind of like a little wrist slap. I have feelings, but y'all already know those feelings. But yeah, it's like you don't want to get implicated in something that um, that you didn't even do. However, there are, um, as, as Amanda pointed out with the second example about the state senator in the Memphis area, um, there are 
anonymous tips that often lead to these investigations. And so that could be a way of doing that. Sometimes it's making an anonymous call to the media. Sometimes it's making an anonymous call to the State Bureau of Investigations or, um, you know, depending on where you are and what's going on and what department's involved. But those are also ways that you can kind of speak out. If you're at a smaller agency and they're just now getting grants and you've, you're coming in and managing that and dealing with that, that's a great time to set it up straight mm-hmm. and, and, and fly right. And I think that's why they brought Amanda into um, her city management, uh, I'm sorry, grants manager job um, to kind of rectify. You were like the rectifier. Oh, yeah. And Alpharetta, I was their first one because they'd had a OIG audit that had not gone very well. And they're and like, it wasn't, hey, I would, I would go. It no was, one was stealing. No one was doing anything horrible. It was just, it was just poor management. Was no one was training. Yeah. Mismanagement was, versus stealing. So I guess uh-huh. even though these are big kind of crazy cases to look at, this kind of thing can be happening. And if you can see it and say something about it and, and, and speak up, um, even though it might be hard, it's, it's interesting also to think about the lives that could change because you did that, yeah. you know? That maybe these, you know, maybe these kids wouldn't get psychotropic drugs for God's sake, or maybe there was, you know, there was um, a parent who could get healthcare training and get a better job. All of yeah, those things that they did uh-huh. that didn't happen because these folks just thought they were super special. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, you know, because I think that's the thing to think about too. It's not not only are you hurting the immediate people you're serving. But think about that trickle-down effect, right? Because that example you gave, Kimberly, of a mom who now can get trained in nursing and get a good job, then that maybe mean her kid can now afford to go to college who otherwise wouldn't. And then they can get a good job and have it. I mean, so like so many of this work, it's not just immediate effects. It's there's long-term impact that they have basically ruined who knows how many lives yeah. by stealing. And not to be overdramatic about it, but it's that's what it is. No, it is. It is. It is. Yep. Well, mm. three we got stories. Philosophical. We just three. got philosophical there. Bring us back, Amanda. Deep. Woo. So three stories, um, another rip from the headlines, and I really am beginning to wonder if I'm ever going to get over my shock and disbelief that people do such things. Because every time I read them, I'm like, seriously? She paid for a wedding? What so, was she thinking? So this is where you and I differ. I'm like... I wonder if these will just still continue to piss me off as much, but I think they will. (laughs) And I take heart in my cantankerousness because it means that I still have feelings. (laughs) It means I'm not so jaded and cynical, but yeah, I guess what I'm saying is I'm sad that these things happen, but I'm not surprised because this is an awful lot, whether it's a private foundation or government, it's an awful lot of money. It's an awful lot of power and, um, without the proper checks and balances, th- it's this is how it happens. Because someone had to okay it. Someone had to sign those invoices. Someone had to put it in. Someone may have been told that they had to do it. Maybe there was no, there was nobody questioning. There was mm-hmm. nobody questioning anything. Yep. So, true. yeah. So, I don't know if you realize this, but we're not the only podcast to chat about topics like this. Mm, mm. Um, While I was conducting research for this episode, I stumbled on um, a podcast done by the Health and Human Services Office of the Inspector General. So HHS OIG has a podcast that's all about healthcare-related fraud. 
Um, it's called This Is Real, and you can find it on the HHS OIG website or even on Apple Podcasts. So just look up This Is Real. So this is federal money specifically for healthcare programs that where fraud cases have happened. Um, so if you can't get enough, if you're like, but you only give me one rip from the headlines a year, Kimberly. And Amanda, <laughs> I, I got more for you. Because <laughs> you know that's on top of mind for everybody, top of mind yeah. for everybody. But hey, yeah. you know it's good their, to know. Yeah, their shows um, share stories about people who've defrauded the federal government through Medicare and those types of things. So I haven't had a chance to listen, but you know, I'm, I'll be checking those She's out. She's on it. She's on I'm it. I'm on it. I wonder if this is going to become our version of murder podcast. Cause you know, I got feelings about that. Yeah. I know that there are a lot of like, there are a lot of murder and true crime podcasts. And my feelings are that it's a little creepy because you're <laughs> following. And it's usually cause it's super centered on the murderer Yes. And not the victim, and the gory and the victim family. And yeah. so anyway, but I'm wondering if, if now we're heading into a little rabbit hole of our own that's all about grant fraud. And you know what? I'm okay with that. <laughs> I'm okay with that, I think. Anyway. I think so. Well, just a reminder, listeners, that today, when this episode drops, maybe April Fool's, but grant fraud is no joke. Oh, as grant managers, we're expected to be honest, law-abiding, and ethical. So certainly you don't want to be the next subject of our 2022 Rip from the Headlines podcast. So read your award agreements, be good stewards of the money you receive, and no buying fancy purses or vacations, okay? Or you know what? Do it with your own money. And if you're making so much money in the grants profession that you can go on incredible vacations, not funded illegally, give me a call. Yeah. On how it's done. So anyway, y'all, seriously, thank you for listening. We wouldn't do it without you and we couldn't do it without you. But we would love it if you would leave a review of Fundraising Heyday on Apple Podcast or Spotify. It really helps spread the word. If you like the podcast, that is a concrete thing that would probably take less than five minutes to do that would really help spread the word and get more people um, um, hooked into our podcast. But we're honored that you chose to spend time with us, and we'd love for this podcast to be a part of your professional development lineup, however unprofessionally we may act on the podcast. <laughs> Thank you again to our Season 4 sponsor, D.H. Leonard Consulting and Grant Writing Services. We appreciate their support in making grants less stressful. Visit their website, dhleonardconsulting.com, to download their latest free resources today. Thanks for joining us again. We appreciate you and hope you tune in in two weeks for our next episode. Y'all are going to be on the edge of your seats. Oh, it's a big one. It is. You ready? Uh, We're doing a deep dive into grant proposal budgets. Yes! Oh, listen, I just take your take your blood pressure medication because it's just going to be crazy. It's actually really important. Check it out. It might be funny. We might sing. Anything's possible. It's possible. Bye, guys. Bye.